Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Anybody who's in business has setbacks. Anybody who's in business has times where it doesn't go according to plan. So the, the lesson is to embrace that. It's not easy and it's not fun and to persevere because oftentimes it's the last man standing who wins. <laughs> This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, my guest is Teresa Eastler, and I'm so excited to have her share her wisdom with us today. Welcome, Teresa. Hello, hello. Uh, let's start right where I like to start with a lot of people. You are an entrepreneur. You have your own business. Was that a straight line to get to that? When did you break the <laughs> When did you break the bounds of uh, working for somebody else? Um, well, I I put my toe in it first. So mm. the last corporate job I had, I left in 1984. So that was the last time I had a job. And, but prior to that, um, when I was working, I was a, a vice president at Bank of America and I was a terrible banker. I, so, so I, I think I, I just knew I was a bad banker. I was not, you know, it, it, I was not cut out for the corporate world. And, but I always had side gigs. I always had kind of side hustles where I was consulting with um, small businesses and helping them figure out how to, to operate better and how they could grow their companies. And so it was so, but I didn't feel confident about going out on my own. Mm. And, and, then, and then I did, 19, 1984, I, I left the corporate world and, um, and I've, you know, not I'm looked back. <laughs> That's awesome. Were you always in the communication side, uh, business coaching, business communication side of the, of the business? Well, I was more, um, I mean, in, in as an entrepreneur, yes, always. Yeah, okay. And, and, and I always worked as a business coach also. It's a, it, it, I, I have a knack for business. I just, I, one, I love it. Mm. I absolutely love business. And I have a knack for it. I understand it. it. It makes total sense to me. And at the essence, at all of it, it all, it, everything always came back to communication. In order to accomplish anything in your business, you have to be able to communicate effectively. So, so they, they, they all just fit together. That's interesting. And I know one of your businesses was, uh, it was kind of in the tech field and you were doing interesting presentations. I, I imagine back then they were cutting edge, but now what was cutting edge back then? 
Oh my gosh. Well, one of one of the things like in in the late 80s, like this is pre-tech boom, like early, early days of the tech boom. You, you know, those serendipitous things that you could never predict. <clears throat> um, my company fell in cold calling, like dialing for dollars, early days of business. And and um got introduced to a, um, a startup based in Toronto that worked in what we now know as the computer graphics industry. Mm -hmm. And this was er like early, early, early days. And it was the beginnings of com computer graphics animation. And this particular software company was the software company that did like back then it was the abyss, you know, when they had the whole water thing and, but it was also industrial design. It was, so that was the launch into the technology field. So it came in like the really cool, fun, sexy stuff that was happening in computer graphics and CG early, early, early days of it. Oh, wow. and, and then that just branched out into other technology companies. Absolutely. The interesting piece is I think back on um, when I, you have a, a, a ways to look back, right? Because it's 84 to now. Um, what, if you could say, what have you been your biggest lessons as a business owner? Ooh, That's a boy. tough one, I know. Yeah, boy, if there was only one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are on a time limit, Teresa, oh. so... <laughs> Well, um, you know, I, I, this one has, it has really been resonating with me um, a lot lately, and as, particularly as I look back over those years. And, and um, one is that there are no mistakes, and don't be afraid of making mistakes, and don't be afraid of failure. Um, because it, huge. you know, you work in finance, and we'd all like to think that when we invest, all it all just goes in a straight line up, and and it doesn't. You know, there's business is tough. It's hard work, and there are sleepless nights, and and it's it's not just all fun and roses, and it just works out according to plan. You know, there are anybody who's in business has setbacks. Anybody who's in business has times where it doesn't go according to plan. You know, yeah. so we, so so the the lesson is um, to embrace that it's not easy and it's not fun, and to persevere because oftentimes it's the last man standing who wins. <laughs> What is it? You don't fail unless you don't get up the last time. Yeah, just keep getting up. Just keep getting up. You know, figuring it out. What's the next? What's my next thing? When it looks when it looks like there like there there are no options left, find the option. You just mm. don't just don't give up. Keep working at it. The you've probably seen a lot of changes over this period of time too. In, in how businesses run and everything. What has stayed the same through that period of time? Is it that perseverance thing or what else is there that has stayed the same? Well, I think perseverance, that's gonna, that's gonna always be, that's gonna always work well for anybody in business. It's just keep, you know, don't give up, just don't yeah. give up. But um, 
but the other the other piece of it, and and I think we're really challenged by this, and I see this especially because I work in communication, but we're so challenged right now with our ability to be connected with others. And, and technology, as incredible as it is, our ability to do this that we're doing this morning is amazing. And in many ways, it is a barrier. Mm -hmm. And that ability to, to, to connect with other individuals, with people, like people to people, is, is the, the thread that's all, all, always all through it all. We, we are human beings first and we need connection with other human beings. We need to feel that we're not alone and that we're isolated. So any, that, that is true no matter what, you know, that has not changed over hmm. years. What have you seen that's changed the most? Um, how we do business, like the technology has really, really influenced everything. Um, you know, now most recently, how we work virtually has been a huge departure for a lot of people and all of the learnings that have happened through all of that. I started working as a virtual company in 2003. So this was not a huge, you know, the pandemic yeah. and all that was not a huge adjustment for us. It was like, oh, okay, this is how we've been doing this anyway. Um, but that learning, that learning curve of how do you, how do you remain connected with each other? How do you protect your culture? If you're a business owner, how do you protect your culture? Yeah. When you're not face to face, how do you make sure that you've got um, uh, habits and processes and practices in place that can replace those those um, water cooler conversations or those quick drop by, hey, can I just run something by you for a second? How do you, how do you still have that and work in a different way? So I think those are some of the biggest changes that we're all, that we're all facing. Yeah, the, and going, but and if it comes to, into a hybrid situation or right. some of your team members now work in totally different areas, that adds another level of complexity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear um, from a lot of my clients the the cultural piece is a big is a big thing. How do we how do we protect our culture when when we've got so much fraying on the edges and so mm -hmm. many so many um, uh, challenges against it? So that's a that's a big one for a lot of companies right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so how did you set it up so that you made your culture has remained? You obviously, since you've been doing it in 2003, you've got this, you've got the, the secret sauce, Teresa. What is the secret sauce for you? I know it's not the same for everybody. Yeah. Over communicate. Okay. <laughs> That's it is communicate more than you think you need to. And, and because we tend to under communicate and especially if we're feeling isolated mm -hmm. we we do we kind of get into our own little bubbles and that's and that's the easiest thing to do but when you get into your own little bubble as soon as you start seeing yourself do that reach out to somebody immediate reach out and and have 
have you know one of one of the things that is the the most important thing and and the the simplest and not necessarily the easiest is to have regular meeting cadences mm-hmm. have regular times that are scheduled and set up that you have communication and and don't and don't change them. Don't don't say, oh, you know, I got busy with something else. Keep them a priority because that is going to reinforce that culture and that and that brings you together and that keeps that connection in place. Awesome, thank you for that. Uh, my next question has to do with um, your numbers from a business perspective. I find a lot of entrepreneurs are the once a year throw everything into a box and hope for the best. And if there's money in the bank account, obviously things are good. So um, how has your relationship been with the numbers? Has it evolved over time? Yes, it has. And I am not one of those once a year throw in a box and hope it all turns and I have some money left over. That would create way too much stress for me. And and it has evolved, it has evolved over time. And I've I've always I, I got forced into um, having to get really care, clear about my cash flow and cash flow planning. And, and part of that was because, particularly during the technology years, um, most of my clients were really big corporations. And they're, you know, and these would be six figure contracts that I would have with them, you know you know, almost seven figure contracts and um, their payment schedule would maybe be 120 days. Right. And I'd be on the hook for my suppliers and, and everything else, which, you know, I, I would have invoices from my suppliers for $50,000 and they didn't expect to get paid. (laughs) In 120, in 120 days. days. So, so it, it was, it, it, it meant that I had to be, get really good at my cash flow planning. And so, and I've gotten better at it. It's like, I, I run it now at three months out, always, I know where my money's coming in and where it's going. And if there's a gap between the two, it tells me right now I need to do something about it mm. instead of, oh my gosh, I don't have any money in the bank account. Instead, it gives me it gives me some runway to start generating generating business that then can take care of the cash flow. But I keep I keep a, 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 and I look at it daily. You know, so I'm probably more anal than most people about it, but I look at it daily so I know where I am all at all times. And um, and I'll share something else that I think it could be useful for people from a personal standpoint. I wasn't as good personally as I was in my business and and where um, and where that really came back and and became a problem for me is in in 2006 I separated from my husband and who was also my business partner so it was not only a personal divorce it was a business divorce too 
And, um, and, and for all intents and purposes, what I did is I bought my way out of a marriage, which meant that I took on all the debt from our business, from personally, everything. And I was, I was in significant debt. You know, it was, it was a very scary position. And, and there was, I, I even explored bankruptcy. It's like, how am I ever going to get out from under this debt? And which completely goes against how I operate. It's like, it was horrible to even consider it. And, and so then what I said before is like, when it looks like there are no options, look for where there's, you know, there's a solution. And so I kept looking and what I did is I created a spreadsheet, which I still have. I still do this to this day. This is like since 2006 to the present, I do this. And I had everything that I owed and I, and I listed it on my spreadsheet in order of interest rate, what my highest interest rates down. And, and I went through everything where I paid my minimum, I had a certain amount of money I could pay every month and I paid minimum amounts for everything except the one that was at the front of the list. And everything that was left over, I paid to that until it was gone. I cut the card up, it was out of there. And then I did the same thing. I had the same amount that I was paying. I just, and I worked through it. And so I was uh, a few years ago, I was um, sharing with a group, uh, a workshop that I was in that some of my long-term goals and one of my long-term goals was to be debt-free. And in the moment that I was sharing that, like this was one of my long-term goals, I realized I was debt-free <laughs> other than my mortgage. It was like, I don't know, I don't know any money. And, and it, I was so busy, head down, working my system that it didn't, it didn't, it didn't dawn on me that I'd gotten there and everything, everything, any, any, everything gets paid off every month. That's it. It's like, whatever it is, it gets paid off every month. And, and, you know, and I have, I have a really small, I have an $80,000 mortgage. Like some places I know that's like a ridiculous mortgage, but I live in Toronto. That's like pocket change here for a a mortgage. Right. And, um, but that was, but it, but I, I worked that system. And as I said, it's like, that's part of my personal cash flow management that I do to this day. So I, I manage it from both sides and, and I pay very close attention to it. That's amazing. Did you find once you realized that you were debt-free? I cried. Did you? I cried on the spot. I, I cried. Wow. Did it change your relationship with money and how you looked at business? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, you know, the biggest, the big, I guess it did because the biggest thing for me was I felt a lot more freedom around yeah. it. Yeah. It was like, it was like, suddenly I didn't feel like a burden. It was like, I suddenly had a different level of freedom around it. And, and, and I will tell you, it was the first time in my life. I never have felt freedom around money. Mm. It was, it was the first, it was the first time that I felt that. I sometimes talk about debt being a, can be an anchor and yeah. it can make it that you feel like you don't have choice. Yeah. Um, and so 
you you definitely freed your you, you cut the anchor yeah yeah but it, it and and again back to that thing with perseverance it didn't happen like boom i i worked this for for a long time yeah you know it it didn't it wasn't a two months exercise it wasn't a one year or two year exercise it took me 10 years wow it took me 10 years but i never gave up yeah yeah i never gave up i love that um when it comes to some of your numbers in your business have you established some key performance indicators um that you monitor i know that in the past you and i have chatted about lagging versus predictive um, what indicators are you using to monitor the health of your business? Well, you know, there, I have, you know, I have my monthly number, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have my monthly number and, and, and it's really kind of weird, um, indicators. Like this one is like one, like they're, they're like, you know, we all, we all have maybe some quirky ones. Like one of the things I know that if I'm, uh, this is not financial, but this is, like a, a quick indicator to me that, um, you know, that I'm, the wheels are wobbling. And if I don't put the corrections in, the wheels are going to come off. And this is if I am too busy to make my bed in the morning. That's like an immediate indicator to me. And this has been, I discovered this probably 20 years ago. And it's like, if I am too busy to make my bed, this is a really important indicator that, that things are, things are getting out of control. We need to and do I some alignment. To, yeah. Yeah. So I need to do something to pull it back in, into, um, into control. So, so that's, that's like not a financial one, but it's a life one that I, that I notice. And then um, financially, it's like I have that number, you know, it's like this is my my minimum number. And and if if you know, and that's not like I've got a huge excess after that, but this is like got to do that one. So I'm always looking at that. And that's why I say that three months out. That's what I'm looking for is where where am I with my number? And, and then if there's any excess, does it go and, and letting it roll over into the next month? And, and, and what does that do? And then, and then when any excess, you know, I'll see, and I'll see how it rolls over into the next month, but those are, those are my indicators. And as soon as I have that is like, a I take it out and I, and I set it aside. I have a, you know, a, a liquid fund that, that I can tap into if I, need to like right away if there's an investment if there's an opportunity that i want to pursue if there's a shortfall because sometimes there are you know how i how can i can balance it out but i always know that there's that little pot over there that helps me even out the tough times or it lets me take advantage of some opportunities that i'm excited about Thank you for sharing that. I really love when people will talk numbers with me. So I appreciate that. Um, the next question I have, I'd like to talk a little bit more about the communication side, like your technical expertise. Yeah. Uh, is it just me or is communication getting harder? Um, I, I think technology, technology, like I said earlier, technology really facilitates it in a lot of ways and it creates so many barriers. So that part of it, I think makes it, makes it tougher. Um, 
But the truth of the matter is it really comes back. We're all human, we're people. So, oh. so, the, so the difficulties in, in communication have, have been the same difficulties that have always been there. <laughs> what do you think are the three biggest challenges as business owners or three tips that you would give business owners around communication? Like we know it's people to people, but beyond that, the, maybe it's even the crafting of the messages and yeah. those types of activities. What are your thoughts there? Yeah. Well, you know, I would say one of, one of the biggest, one of the biggest challenges is um, that we're not specific enough in understanding or identifying what it is that we want and, and what we are asking other people to do for us. So we're, we get, we become very generalized in our communication. And as soon as you step away from being very specific, then, and then the chances of you getting what you want decline very rapidly. So that's, that's the, that's the biggest thing mm -hmm. um, is like, what, you know, what is it that you intend to accomplish through your communication? What do you, what do you intend to have happen very specifically? And, and so it can sound like goal setting it, it, some of it might be, but more specifically, I really relate to it is when we, when we communicate in anything, whether it's our marketing, it's our one-on-one -on -one communication, it's to group, whatever it is, it's with an intention. We want something to happen, mm. but we don't define that very well. So, so it, it, the, you know, the chances of it happening get reduced. So that's the first thing, getting, gaining real clarity about what, what our outcome is. And then, um, and, and then, so that's the part about us. And that's about the last thing that's about us in communication. So the, the second rule or second most important thing for everyone, everyone, and I don't care what kind of communication is, the thing for us to remember is, it's not about you. It's always about the other person. Always, always, always. And, and it's hard to do, you know, mm -hmm. it's hard, it's hard to, it's hard to step aside from, from our own agenda and be focused on the other person and supporting them and accomplishing what's important to them. And, and so, so giving that up, it seems like it shouldn't help us accomplish what we want, yet that is the only way we accomplish what we want is by having it not be about us and it's about other people. Hmm. Um, as a person who's been in business a while and you think about all the pieces of communication you've seen over time, <laughs> um, if you could give yourself a video, a book, a talk of some sort that you've seen over the years and you go, oh, I just wish I'd seen that earlier. Mm. Oh. Start up, Teresa. I wish you'd seen this. <laughs> oh, do you know, um, I, there are a few, there are actually, there are a few of them. Um, you know, just about anything that uh, Brene Brown has written. I think I, I, I wish particularly me as, um, a, a young woman, I wish 
I wish I had been introduced to the conversations that she's introduced to so many people. I wish I wish I had been introduced to those yeah. um, because I I had to really work. I had to really work to um, get my self worth. You know, other people. All, I think this is true for many of us. But but I I you know I didn't think very highly of myself. So I think that being introduced to that um, earlier would have been would have been a really really helpful yeah. <laughs> she's done some groundbreaking work that is for sure and yeah. introduced like the vulnerability piece in particular yes how that's okay yeah 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 and and i think i think that that's particularly true and this is absolutely true for me as a young woman coming into business and and you know i can i came into the business world in the 70s and, um, you know, women didn't know how to be in business. We had no role models. We had very few role models. So who do we have? Who did we have as role models were men. Mm. So, so we were women trying to be in business like men. And it's taken me this long to learn is like, why would I want to do that? <laughs> it's like, that's crazy. <laughs> Why would I want to give up all this power that I have as a woman to do that? <laughs> so, so I don't know where that came about, but you know, I, I don't know that there was just like one person or one place that was definitely an evolution that, uh, you know, that took me, it took me a long time to get there. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty happy that I've, uh, I've gotten to where I am about that now. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully our uh, younger generations get there faster. Yeah. 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 Um, I have one question for you uh, and then we'll go to some questions from the audience, but is the word retire in your vocabulary? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, you, you know, it's funny because I'm I'm of a certain age, you know. I'm past retirement age. I, I I collect a pension. Even it's crazy to even think that one that I'm eligible, but I do that. But um, you know, so I get I you know it's when I turned sixty five, people started saying, "Well, aren't you going to retire soon? Aren't you going to retire soon?" And I and I it was kind of like God. I haven't really thought about it. And, and part of that is, is because uh, I'm passionate about what I do. I think you can tell I'm really passionate about what I do. I love it. And I love, I love the contribution that I make to others. And I love the difference that I see that happens in people's lives. And so when I think about giving that up by retiring, it doesn't in in the traditional sense of retirement. It doesn't appeal to me. Now, what I do know, and my team around me and other people know around me, is I have no interest in working harder than I am right now, or more than I'm working right now. Yes. So I'm I'm like I'm working. I I take a lot of time off. I do things that I love to do, um, and and I'm not interested in starting to work really hard. At this at this stage of the game, and I'm totally 
engaged in growing and building my business at the same yeah. time. So I just thought I'd ask that question because I feel like uh, when, especially talking to business owners and entrepreneurs who love what they do, that isn't a word. So yeah. I now have reframed it into power of choice. Are you working because you love to or because you have to? So yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Okay. So I'm going to open it up for questions. I see Miss Melanie is ready with a question. Hi, uh, Teresa. That was fascinating. Um, so many questions. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I wanted to thank you for sharing, especially the, the personal journey as well as your, with the finances, because it's like, what are, are we twinning right now? Like, this is very relevant to me and very encouraging to hear how you work through it. Persistence um, and having assistance. That's great. Um, I was curious, uh, I'm a tech startup founder, and I'm interested in particularly with tech startups from your experience, what are some of the common stumbling blocks that you notice in, and, and it's specifically, so I'm a non-technical tech startup founder um, in that, if I could frame it in that, and maybe women as well, if you could just kind of encapsulate that, any sort of like common stumbling blocks that you've noticed. Yes. Well, I, interestingly enough, that I, I was I, it was so great working with with um, with tech startups and and not a lot of them have women founders. There are a few more that do now than yeah. there. It was all it was all boys back then. And yeah. now now more and more there are are more women and and. But so, so a couple of different things. One, from a technology standpoint, one of the common things and the common problems is that, um, and this also I found ironically when I, I when I, I started really focusing a lot in financial services too, and they have the same thing in common, uh, which you would never expect those two industries, and that is is that they get really, really engrossed in their own tech speak, whatever their own tech speak is. And, you know, let me tell you how many gigahertz and how many gigabytes and how many, how much RAM and how much, whatever, whatever it is. And nobody, nobody cares. What they want to know is, am I going to be able to download um, Netflix really fast? Right? So, so the, from a communication standpoint, the, the problem is, is that, that we get really engrossed in our own expertise and the way, and here's how I'm, this is the way I describe it. And this is across any business. And I, and this is, uh, I say this to all of my clients, we get really caught up in being, um, our product or our service expert. We become experts, our subject matter expertise, which is a good thing to have, except that that's not what people buy. Then the, and if you look at it like a hierarchy, the next way up in the hierarchy is that you become a solution expert. I've got this solution and I'm in search of the problem for that solution. And, and again, it's a more sophisticated approach. They're both very commodity-based approaches in business. So it becomes, it becomes a grind. It becomes, it becomes very hard to get your results when you approach it that way. 
at the top, at the pinnacle of this hierarchy is when you're a problem expert. And that is when I was saying to Wendy, the, one of the lessons is understanding it's not about you, it's about them. It's about what they see as their problems. When you become a problem expert, what is it that they are, what is it that they're concerned about? What is it that they're like, where's their pain? What is it, you know, those points and you speak to that and then you have a solution that allows you to take away that pain. And oh, by the way, we have these services or the, these products that support our solution. Then it becomes a whole different thing. And if, and if you're working in a technology company and you're the non-tech person, but you are leading the company, you started the company, it's really, you, you have to beware of getting bamboozled by the tech speak. Yes, thankfully it's, it's uh, yes. <laughs> thankfully we're not in the space where we're inventing brand new technology. So that's good. We're, we're more innovating on existing technology with the platform. So, but, yeah. but, but you nonetheless, you have yeah. to be able to speak from a standpoint to the problem. Absolutely, yeah. Always I mean, to the problem. Yeah, thank you. That's super yeah. helpful. I love the hierarchy that you described yeah. because it's, well, it's, we offer a lot of marketing, so it's, it's just good marketing communications. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I've caught myself using a term, even though like, cause I'm still more technical than most of my small business clients as part of our solution, right? <laughs> Helping solve their problems in this space. And uh, I have to catch myself sometimes that you yeah. can, I'll say something like SEO which, you know, is something we talk about all the time internally. Right, right. Um, yeah. No, thank you. That's excellent advice. You're very welcome. Excellent. Uh, throwing it open. Thank you, Melanie. Any other questions out there? Oh, Andre, pulling you in. No, Natalie can go first. Go ahead. I'll go, go Natalie, go. I, uh, I've enjoyed this whole presentation. Thank you. And uh, all the questions. So I... I um, I have a question. How do you introduce the problem, especially in the written word? Well, there's one thing is, is that you have to know who you're speaking to or who you're communicating with really well. So that means focusing. It can't be, it, this is not scattershot. It's got to be highly focused. And when you're highly focused, it means you have to understand them. You have to know who they are. You have to, you have to, be in their world. You have to you have to know more about them than they know about themselves, right? And and when you do that, then you can speak to that immediately. If you're writing, you speak to it right away. Okay. And don't bury the lead. What do you mean? Don't bury the lead. A lot of times what will happen it's an that's an old newspaper phrase is like you know your your headlines are to capture people at the beginning you capture people that the start of it is to get people's attention don't wait and save your good stuff for later on it's too late if you don't get their attention right away they're not going to get to your good stuff later give them your good stuff up front uh, question can i layer on top of that are people's attention spans diminishing and therefore we have to be even more careful not to bury the lead? Um, you know, I mean, there's all sorts of studies that have been done on that. I, I don't know that people's attention span is any different 
we are all, we are interested in what we're interested in. Yeah. And I don't think that's ever changed. And we just right now we have more um, control over it than before. Like now we we have more ability to choose mm. where before we were just we were recipients of it. And and so I don't know that our attention span is is less or not, but we're we're interested in what we're interested in. Yeah, for and the right client, I think they're going to hear the message if you don't bury the lead. Yeah, you know, speak to speak speak of something that people are interested in that's important to them. If it's if it's as I was saying to Melanie, if it's about a problem that they're experiencing that they have not been able to solve, they're going to be interested because it's the other thing is when you when I say it's not about you, it's about them. When your attention is on them, they're interested in themselves. If you're going to start talking about yourself, they're not interested in you. They don't care about you. I know that's harsh, but they don't. They care about themselves. Yes. So if you're, you know, this is, this is uh, Natalie, and I don't know what kind of writing you do, but if, if you know, I see uh, from a marketing standpoint, a lot of companies, what they do is they begin by speaking about, let me tell you about what we do. Let me tell you about how long we've been in business. Let me tell you about where, how many locations we've been. Let me tell you about all of my credentials. Let me tell you all that stuff. And, and, you know, and they're looking at their watch going, when are we going to get to the good stuff? Me, right? It's like, it's about them. Get, get that's at the forefront. All of that stuff about you is later, much later. Interesting. Andre. Um, the one thing I wanted, I wanted to jump on what Teresa was talking about, especially in the startup phase, where you're talking about persistence. Yeah. Um, what I discovered was persistence is good, but resilience is a lot more beneficial at the beginning stage because you're kicked down and punched down to the ground so many times. And like for me, that's what I say. I got kicked down so many times. I got up every time. But yeah. figuring out why I got kicked down was my goal. So I don't get kicked down for the same reasons. Yeah. Um, and then, and I don't know if it's, this is said properly in English, but in French, tenacity, a stubbornness to just keep moving forward yeah. uh, against yeah. the current. Um, our skills either you're born with or you can grow, but those are it. Like exp- mm. to me, every time I got kicked down, I learned something new and I was growing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, Teresa, after what you've been talking about today, what are the three things we need to remember from today? <laughs> why do i feel that there's an inside joke here <laughs> there is an inside joke he, he's he is he is uh using he's using one of my own tools on me <laughs> so so yeah i mean for me like the big the big thing is is that um communication is at the heart of all of our success and I don't just mean business success. I mean success in our relationships, our personal relationships. It is, it is at the heart of all of that. And, and, and at the essence of that is what I just said. It's not about you. It's about, it's about the other person. When you, when you are able to understand, you don't have to agree. And when you understand the other person where they're coming from. It's, 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 it's like taking empathy and putting it on steroids. But when you keep 
altering and keep shifting your orientation to have it be about the other person, things turn out all right. And, and then I think, um, and I think the other piece of it, and I hadn't planned this in advance, Wendy, Wendy just told me that she wanted me to talk about it, is that whole piece, uh, you know, the, the, the journey of it, and it is tenacity, perseverance, and, and resilience. Those, I think, Andre, you said those beautifully. That's awesome. Um, just one last note, if you don't mind. Uh, this is not premeditated. I'm getting nothing in return for this, but <laughs> Teresa's course on core communication was the best six, 12 hours I've ever spent to improve my communication. And it's, I highly recommend it to anyone out there. And the right to connect in the top three, like the biggest insight for me was, it's not about you, it's about them, right? <laughs> so, Thanks again. I always learn something new, Teresa. Thanks again. Oh, thank you, Andre. I appreciate it. I have time for one more question. Francis. Hi, thank you. That awesome. Everything you've said there. And um, and I'm like money is near and dear to my heart. So I want, I'd like to kind of go back to that. And it actually hits on communication. One of the things I find really uh, challenging is helping people with their pricing. Mm. Um, and it comes a lot to um, self-worth. Yes. And, and I try to tell them how much they're communicating by, by the pricing they're choosing. So did you, have you had a journey around your pricing? Oh and my God. Especially as it comes to coming out of debt. Cause that, that oh also. Francis, Francis question of the day. That was amazing. <laughs> oh my God. You know, um, uh, one of my coaches, uh, the, the, it's such a perfect question. And I think as business people, it's one of the things that so many of us struggle and you are absolutely right. I think it's, it's um, completely tied to, to how we see ourselves and how, what we think we're worth. And um, I remember early, early days in my business that um, like many entrepreneurs, I had all of these things that I gave away for free as quote value add, right? I mean, like a lot of stuff. And, and my business coach, um, Dan Sullivan said, you know, Teresa, people will pay you for that. I went, get out of town. There's no way. In order for us to compete with this other stuff, I've got to do all of this consulting work. And, and he said, well, why don't you just try charging for it and see what happens? And I went, okay. And so, so I, I would love to say that I just was really proactive and went out there and did that, but I didn't. So fortunately, somebody else saved me from myself. And that was a client said, well, I'd like you to do this work. And how much do you charge for that? So I had to make something up on the spot because I was going to do it for free. And I made up a number. I, like in the conversation, I made up the number. And, and, and without hesitation, he said, okay. And I went, oh, shit. Right? That means there's so, money on the table. <laughs> I know. It was like, oh, too low, too low. <laughs> so, so, but I got paid for the first time. And then I started, then I started packaging it and then, and then I, you know, and started charging for it. 
and um, and I don't negotiate my fee ever. And I and from this from the beginning, I said I have not negotiated my fee. It is like this is this is my fee. This is what we're going to do. This is what you're going to get for this fee. But I don't negotiate it. And, and I never have. And even when things felt very dark for me financially, I didn't negotiate it. And I stayed with it and, and went with it. And, and um, you know, when I've raised my fees, I've never had an issue with clients going, oh my God, you're raising your fees. They never have. They said, you know what? You're worth every penny. That's what they say. So, so, you know, rule of thumb, uh, I would say, and, and I just had this conversation with a client of mine the other day, I said, what makes you, what number makes you really nervous? And they said that, and I said, add 20%. Nervous plus 20%. There's your price. Nervous plus 20%. I love because, it. Because it is, it is like the, the person who, the person who is limiting it um, is you. Do we, do we have time that I can tell one more story about you go, this? You go, Teresa. I had, but I had another, I had another um, experience with this is like one, one of the things that has been, keeps reoccurring is I have, my clients come to me to ha ha help them and for me to have tough conversations. So for example, I'll um, ha I have a client who is in business with his wife and she's a real bottleneck. And this is, this is a big company. This is, this is a quarter of a million dollar company privately held. And she's, she's a problem in the company. And, and their CFO is even a bigger problem. And I said, you know, they're going to drive your company into the ground. And you've, you've got to get rid of your CFO. He is really, he's like poison in your company. And, and the, the man said, yeah, I know. Um, would you talk to my wife about that? <laughs> I was like, oh man, that is not a conversation. And I had another, another, uh, another client, uh, uh, actually a, a, a board member for a technology firm that's headed by a, a young woman. And she started the company in her early twenties. And, um, and the board member said, she's really great, but she has no executive presence. And we're worried about that. And I said, I know, I just coached her. And I was like, I, I would never have known she was the founder if somebody hadn't introduced her as that. He said, well, would you have a conversation with her about that? So I kept getting these requests for having these kinds of conversations. And uh, another one of my coaches said, so how much do you charge for having those conversations? I said, I don't charge anything. I just have those conversations because they're my clients, right? And he said, well, how much do you think you could charge for it? And I said, God, I have, I was like, it took me completely off guard. So as another one, it was like, he said, just, you know, just, just like create it and, and you don't have to charge for it, but start working your own thinking towards what that value is. Because right now you are undervaluing what you're providing there. So I say that is, is like, believe me, I still have these nerves. So I, so I still don't charge for those conversations. I do them as part of the engagement with those. Is it in clients. the package? Is it one difficult conversation or two, depending? 
from the package you buy? It's usually, <laughs> it's usually like, pardon my way of saying this, but it's usually there's a come to Jesus meeting. And, <laughs> and, and, and my intention is when I have these conversations that when that person I'm having a conversation, when they leave the conversation, that they feel uplifted and they feel in better like they're better off because of it. Not like I've gone in and cut them off at the knees and they've been debilitated. That's not my intention. My intention is to go in there and to give them, give them something useful that, and, and then guide them on how, how they can move in a particular direction. And I'm, and I'm really good at it. And, um, but it's, but it's, it's like where I, it's like something I have to work on now. It's like, okay, so, <laughs> so you don't get this solved. This, this is not one of those things you solve at one time. It just oh. it rears its head in, in different areas. Yeah, you have to work your way to it. So, uh, your, um, your right-hand person has kind of made you a liar. Oh, no. She gave you, she gave us something to give to people today for free. And I just yes. put it into the chat. Do you want to comment on what that Fantastic. is? Fantastic. I would love to, do you know, and, and, and Andre's gone through this and Kelsey's used it too, but we, you know, all of these years that I've worked in, in communication and that I've, that I've um, not just communication, but presentations. And I've had the great privilege of working with some, amazing leaders and communicators. And, and there have been some consistencies about the, thank you, that's what it looks like, that, that there's consistency in the people who are really great. And I've boiled it down to nine characteristics. And we have a scorecard that we're making available so that you can self-assess, see where you are on your journey and and where there's room for improvement and where you feel like you've really really got it handled but that is what we'll, we have that available to all of you to and and uh you know our scorecard and and check it out and and give you some insights into um what it takes to be a great communicator amazing Teresa. and for those listening it will be in the show notes so Teresa, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I uh, greatly enjoyed our conversation. And the real bottom line, it's about perseverance and not about you. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.